0: Soldiers, we got blood to bleed, this is our fate in the balance, so let's fight with the
1: vengeance, chained up. Hold on. Welcome everybody to the Florida State League Radio Network. Happy to have you guys along the show today. My name is Dylan, as always, I'm your host today, and we got a very special guest today. We got a... First base coach currently for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's worked with the San Diego Padres and the Astros as well as a first base coach. He's also worked with the LA Dodgers and he's also a former player. He's excuse me played in the Florida State League and he's uh got to play in the major leagues as well with the Chicago Cubs. We are here with Tarek Brock on the show today. Tarek, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you on, and it's a pleasure to get you on today.
0: thank thank you for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm happy you know, to be a part of this and, and, you know, share some stories and and also learn some
1: things as well. So, let's go yeah man I'm excited let's do this I'm I'm really this is gonna be a fun show today so let's get into my uh first question talking about the Florida State League as I always do I always have to start out my Florida State League players or well for your case former Florida State League player um what was it like you know getting to play in the Florida State League with Lakeland with the Tigers at the time and what was the level of play like when you played during the time in the Florida State League
0: let me tell you something. Uh, when you first get drafted, like I did in 1991, you spend your first summer in Bristol, Tennessee, Bristol, Virginia, right on that border. And you play in front of and some fans there, and it's really cool. And you go to your first spring training, which was in Lakeland, Florida. You see the stadium. You see all the people that show up for the spring training games. And you go, man, it must be like that in the Florida State League. And you can't wait to get to that level. So yeah. once they post the final rosters up and you see your name and, you know, it's Lakeland, you know, you start looking for an apartment and you get your first workout underneath the lights and you're excited and you have your first game and there's seven people in the stands, but nonetheless, you're on that big league field. You know, you you get to see the leftover name place of at that time, Lou Whitaker, Alan Trammell, you know, uh, Cecil Fielder, Big Daddy. And, you just want to get close if to not have one of those lockers and do your best to, to emulate them within your game. Mm-hmm. And it is the best feeling in the world to, you know, be in that locker room. And then also, as a like young skinny player, I tried to pick up one of Cecil Fielder's bats and it was just too heavy, but I kept <laughs> it in my locker and I looked at it before uh. every game. But I was able to fit one of his shoes and they were, you know, Nice and, and, for me, uh, flashy because they had orange in it, but the standard black <laughs> that we yeah, wore, yeah. and it was like the greatest honor to wear their shoes, and, and I took very good good care of them, and it's it's a habit that I still have to this day where I, I take really good care of my <laughs> shoes that I wear on the field and off the field because yeah. of that. Yeah, uh, The level of play was outstanding. Uh, it was really good competition there uh, day in and day out where you saw guys throwing mid-90s every day and you have to do everything you can everything you can to battle and just compete and it brought out the best in everyone that was on the field
1: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah it's the and especially nowadays too the league is i mean it keeps on becoming one of the better leagues in the you know in the minors i mean just when it comes to amount of talent that comes through and the rate at which the guys go to the major league level it's really remarkable how great this league has been and during your time too when you were playing you played in the uh, mid-90s and such was who were some of the names that you got to play against or play with and such because I know during that time obviously Jeter got to play in the Florida State League there's a lot of good names that got to play in the Florida State League around the mid-90s so who were some of the guys that you got to we were lucky enough to be able to play with in the Florida State League or even get to play against in the Florida State League get to have a comp you know play competitive baseball with
0: man it it was names that when you, you look back at it, Carlos Delgado was, was in that one, great catcher and first baseman with the uh the Blue Jays, as you said, Derek Jeter, uh Posada, Rivera, you know, all the Yankee greats, you know, was in that league at one yeah. point in time. They might not have spent a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. But but they were great. And then you go back to, you know, the Phillies and they had, you know, their pitchers that came through their system that just was unbelievable where it you look at them and like it seemed like everyone was like 6-4 and above. Yeah. You know, they look like giants. <laughs> uh, so the league was just filled with a tremendous amount of of talent. I don't want to keep naming names cuz I don't want to <laughs> forget, you know, people as well. Yeah. Uh but most of the guys that you've seen that had great careers in the major leagues definitely came through that that league. You know, both pitchers and position
1: players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, hey, the league the league's been around for a hundred years, so it's definitely if this is under first season. Well, would have been the hundred first season if we were playing, definitely uh disappointing that we're not back in the season, obviously, and obviously you're a first base coach, so you know it's kinda disappointing to not see it back. But yeah, definitely the, the league, man, it's it's an incredible league. It's great to see how it's progressed. And a hundred years, it's crazy that it's been around that long. Like that that's incredible for minor league standards. Not a lot of leagues stay around for a hundred years. So that's a pretty remarkable thing that the league's been able to do that. So um, let's get into my next question here. So we you talked a little bit about, you know, getting drafted and you were drafted by the Detroit Tigers. Did, what was your draft day experience like, you know, being drafted by the Tigers and such? And how was it like to get that phone call and finally, you know, have that relaxation like I'm finally drafted. I got drafted by the Tigers. I'm in an MLB organization. And now I can get to work and start living out my dream as a pro ball player.
0: Man, um you know that experience was unbelievable, from a standpoint of man. You know, I finally get to live out my my dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and back then, that that call was more of a, more of a. Let me see. We didn't have cell phones or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You just basically would go home and realize that. Uh, you check your answer machine. I'm sure young people don't know what that means right now. You would check your answer machine and (laughs) you would get the message, you know, hey, this is Dennis Lieberthal, my scout, Mm -hmm. uh, with the Detroit Tigers, we drafted you. I remember running outside of the house on the front lawn and just doing high knees and fist pumping, (laughs) uh, just crazy excited about the opportunity to, you know, begin my career with the – the Tigers, and then you know, they set up a meeting to come over to eventually sign me mm-hmm. after negotiating. and It was the best, it wasn't like how it is now, where it's you know on TV and highly publicized, but it was a special moment nonetheless.
1: Yeah, it's it, it was. It, I, I because I was watching when I and the only reason why I kind of know how it was is because i was watching the roy holiday documentary that just recently came out and i saw how it was where like the the draft was literally on a computer and it's it's kind of like what they usually do when it comes to rounds like two through 40 they usually just say on like a voice call they do um which i guess that's probably how it was when you were <laughs> when you were got drafted and such. But, yeah, that's definitely a, it's definitely an awesome experience. from And that, even from other guys that I've talked to, it's definitely one of the, the coolest experiences just to be drafted, be able to realize that you're able to now live out your dream and be able to be with a, a pro ball club. It's definitely one of the, the cool, cool things of uh, anybody's uh, pro life when it comes to baseball and such, just getting that call. So uh, let's get into my next question here. You know, you would make your debut in New York as a member of the Chicago Cubs what was it like to you know be able to start your career in such a historic stadium shea stadium has so much history and such and what were your first reactions just walking into that stadium walking into that clubhouse getting to know these teammates obviously you see all the the you know cubs players and such you got to play with guys was sosa around during when you played i'm not sure i don't remember yes okay so yeah Yes.
0: locker mate my locker is right next to him oh
1: really so. that that must, uh, you must have had some yeah. fun talks with him
0: yeah, I mean, it, it was great. Uh, you know, when you when you step onto a major league field, and for me, the only field that I've seen growing up was Dodger Stadium, and mm-hmm. it was Little League night. So that was just your experience. But to actually walk on the greenest grass you've ever seen in your life yeah. and, and you just hear your spikes crunching the ground, it is an amazing feeling. And then for me, it always seemed like every ballpark, I was like, it's just like how it is on TV. <laughs> that, that was the other thing that that came up for me and uh it was just amazing you know you take bp and all you doing is just looking up at how big the stadium is and you know you, you just back then it, it was early april so the weather wasn't that great mm-hmm. and that was a whole different experience for me being from california yeah. but it was the best thing ever and even though i might not have started that day You know, I couldn't wait to get in the game or do something to help my team out. Um, And it was just like every at bat—I didn't have that many, but every at bat was special. Yeah. uh, For me, every pregame was special. You know, just even today, as a as a. All
1: right, you can begin now.
0: I said, "Where every at bat is special, Mm -hmm. everything that you do, you know, pregame is just special that you absolutely love." And you just cherish every single moment of it to where even now as a coach, I cherish, you know, the pregames, the ground balls that I hit to my outfielders, just everything, because it's something that, you know, it's just for a short period of time in your life. And I just try to fill it up with as, memory, as many memories as I can on a daily basis.
1: Yeah, definitely. I understand what you mean. And and talking about, you know, the, the crunching of creeps, I'll tell you what, that, that and the sound of, like, the beep when you uh, scan your ticket are the two best things for me. Like, that's when I know I'm, like, at a stadium or some sort of, you know, baseball stadium or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely trying to take as much memories in as possible. And, obviously, you know, you got to begin your – you got to literally – when you're your locker mates, you literally were right next to Sammy Sosa. That was probably an awesome experience because at the time, you know, Sosa was this big name and everything. That must have been a really cool experience. And you probably got to talk to him maybe a few times when you were in uh, with the Cubs for obviously not a long time, but you got to be with the Cubs and you got to be at the major league level.
0: Yeah, the cool thing about that is, you know, back then they, they set up the locker room uh, based upon numbers. So he was 21 and I was 22. <laughs> He had three lockers. I had one. (laughs) And the cool thing was that um, I remember I was trying to put on some weight. And, -hmm. you know, he was like, I used to be skinny like you. And at that time, you know, when you're 160 compared to a guy that's 220 pounds, you look at him, you go, yeah, right, whatever. (laughs) But he talked about, you know, eating. He talked about weight training. And when you're in the minor league, sometimes you have to go to a local YMCA. Yeah. So shout out to all local YMCA's that, you know, help uh, help us out on our journeys. Mm-hmm. But the weight rooms that we had at certain, you know, major league ballparks was completely different. So, <clears throat> excuse me, honestly, that, that aspect of being able to consistently work out yeah. and, you know, have a strength coach there to where I did, where I was able to gain some weight. But then also just to hear how he talked about pitchers, uh, how he he watched film on them, mm-hmm. you know, which was just great. And I had Eric Young because I was a base dealer who helped me out as well is breaking down pictures and, you know, just reviewing tape and seeing what I could see from the bench while he was out playing. And those are the experiences that you have in the clubhouse that you, yeah. you never forget yeah. that that shape you. So to where when I see Eric Young, you know, now, and you know, that's what I, I think about. And you know, I take that experience as a player with me as a coach, and I remember as a player, I didn't want to let my teammate down. Yeah. And and now I I look at him as a big brother, and like I don't want to let my big brother down. Yep. Because you know he showed me the ropes. He didn't have to, but he did. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm,
1: I'm grateful for that. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. And yeah, definitely wait wait, I tell you what, man, training in a minor leagues is definitely very tough. And well, I mean, that must have been nice when you were in the Florida State League because I bet I bet the, the facilities there were pretty pretty nice because, you know, obviously the spring training facility, you get all the big league guys going there. That must have been definitely nice. You probably had some pretty nice facilities in Lakeland at least when it came to like weight training and such.
0: Man, it it, it was it was awesome. Uh, You know, there was so much room where you have so many guys in there at one time and you will have a bunch of room left over. Mm -hmm. Um, It it was great. The Florida State League gives you a small peek back then of what it would be like to be in the major Mm leagues. And it gave you that shot in the arm that you needed to just keep driving on your journey to, you know, eventually make it to the major leagues for some or those to see how far that, that we can go. And the Florida State League, like they said, it's a back then they called it a pitcher's league because the yep. ballparks were so huge, and the balls that will fly out the yard in the spring, in the summertime, will fall short. And, you know, you had guys that were just throwing gas. Yep. And, you know, it, it helped you to become a hitter mm-hmm. in that league. You couldn't just hit fly balls that you might hit in other leagues that would carry out. No, you know, and then you have to prepare for the rain that would come in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you had to heat the daily rainstorms that would pass through, and then you would play the games. Uh, so it just it just helps you so much to to navigate, to be able to change, and to be able to adapt as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely one of the. It's definitely a a major league ready style league. It's it's definitely you know a a league where you know it. Very, very much like how the majors might be, you know, when or is going to be close to being when you get to the major league level. So yeah, it's it's definitely a great league. And I'll tell you what, man, the rain that's that's a that's maybe one of the killers in the league just because it rains like every almost entire summer. So, (laughs) but um, it's no, it's again, it's a it's a great league. I really have nothing bad to say about it. It's one of my favorite. Obviously, that's why I'm covering it. I think so but no, it's, it's a great league. I love, I love covering this league and it's a true pleasure being able to be around all the guys and getting to know them and such. It's definitely a really cool experience. Um, let, let's, all right, hold on. so my fourth question for you today is, you know, what was it like to play in Wrigley and how was the atmosphere different, you know, from playing in, say playing in Montreal when you were on the road or in Cincinnati or even in New York, how was the, you know, atmosphere getting to play in Wrigley? One of the, The oldest ballparks in the major leagues. What was that like to be able to play in there? And what was the atmosphere like compared to other stadiums? I mean, the energy at Wrigley Field was unbelievable because remember, at that time in in 2000, Mm -hmm. they
0: were coming to see the home run show and batting practice that, you know, Sammy Sosa, Glenn Allen Hill, you know, Henry Rodriguez would put on. And, you know, you know, catching a home run there was obviously like one of the biggest things in in BP. And it would just be electric. Uh, And then from there, you know, you would go inside and change and, you know, have a quick bite to eat. And you would go out for the game and it would be even more fans in there. (laughs) And they would, the love was tremendous compared to what you would get on the road. You know, and you expect to get certain uh, phrases, words, you know, spoken to you, being mm-hmm. a visitor, uh, but your home crowd is, is so special. Yep. Uh, New York is just great because the stories that you would hear about New York and New York fans, which are great and they're knowledgeable, but how they, they pulled for their team was unbelievable, yep. and so you would just experience those things and be like, yep, it's exactly how I heard, but your story is unique to you mm-hmm. uh, that I would share, like I'm sharing right now. It was just unbelievable, and, uh, you know, sitting in the last group, there were more people in the stands when you hit in that last group, in which I did. It was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, And just, you know, you would hit certain balls, and I didn't hit many balls over the fence, (laughs) but when you did,
1: you know, you would hit a crowd, make some noise, it was was the coolest thing, you know, ever. Um, Yeah, definitely. So, that was
0: a, a really cool experience, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a, it's it's a I think for most even just baseball fans in general, just you know, just regular people. I mean, it's one of the top you know places you need to go to in your life. It's so cool, you know, just that. And even nowadays, you know, especially you, you've actually gotten the probably you, have you been have you been to Wrigley as a coach yet? Uh, you know, coaching and wise. Yeah. Okay, so. You know, yeah. you you probably know firsthand, it's still got that charm to it, even though it's updated and it's got all the new amenities, like the scoreboards and everything. It's still got that charm. You could still feel that charm. You must still feel, do you still feel that now with, uh, even with all the updates? You still feel that charm, like, oh, this is old Wrigley. It's still got that old scoreboard out in, in center. You, you still get that charm and such? Yes. You know, you, you do.
0: Like certain ballparks, uh, don't lose their, their history, mm-hmm. even with the upgrades. And, uh, it's just the coolest thing, uh, ever to where you get to see the changes that that's made. But one thing is, uh, the fans, the fans are tremendous. Yep. Uh, they, they support their team and, uh, they want their <laughs> to see their team win. Yeah. And it's, it's the coolest thing, coolest thing ever. Every, you know, going into Boston was special. Yep. Uh, Coming to LA was special. So and then I can't
1: wait to, you know, be in the home dugout in, in Pittsburgh and see what that's like the fan you know, with the fans there. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was great. yeah, and it's and that's a that's a pretty nice view you guys get there too. You guys got the water right next to you know, right next to it and stuff. It's definitely it's definitely gonna be a, interesting. Hopefully you guys are able to be in Pittsburgh this year. Hopefully you guys aren't playing in a specific location or anything. I hope you guys can able are able to play in your home ballparks this year because Definitely. I've always wanted to go to Pittsburgh as well. It's definitely a nice city and a nice area. Um, let's get into our next question here. You know, what What made you want to go into coaching? You know, what, what, what got you into coaching? What got you around that portion? And how has is, how is playing in the big leagues and playing in the minor leagues and having that playing experience helped you in the way you coach the guys nowadays, like a Josh Bell and such, and like some of these, you know, players that you've been able to coach over your last couple of years you've been in coaching? Well, um, you know,
0: I got into coaching by doing what, you know, older players did, you know, with me. Uh, Speaking of the the Eric Youngs, the Ricky Gutierrez uh, growing up in L.A., uh, Daryl Strawberry, Eric Davis, Tony Mm -hmm. Tarasco, Royce Clayton, uh, they just sit down and and, and they talk to you. While you would hit, they would talk about your swing. And also, I don't want to forget the late. Uh, yep. Chris Brown and Paul Blair Jr. Uh, and they would talk to you about your swing, talk of, you know to you about you know your approach, the middle game before it became a big thing. And as I played and came up through the minor leagues, we shared information, what we saw, because we all wanted to do well and we all wanted to beat the other team. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so my last couple years of playing,
2: uh, Terry Collins, uh, you know, who's Yep.
0: The Mets now and was the manager. Uh, you know, he asked me to, you know, stay in double A and he wanted me to help out four ball players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, Okay, cool. Those four ball players, you know, happened to be uh, Edwin Jackson. Okay. Uh, uh, Edwin Jackson, Bridget Amber Convy, Shane Victorino
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and it was a guy, Cole Liniac and Joe Hanner. Mm-hmm. And it was the best summer I had. And you know Evo, who's a very based coach with the Dodgers, was like, "Yep, you would be great as a coach. You ever thought about coaching? Yeah, but when I was over, I basically was coaching for two years as a player before I became a coach. Wow. And so all those experiences of, you know, in the past of helping players out, when I started to coach, my heart was in the right place. I just yeah. needed more content from a coaching standpoint. So I look at it like this. The trial and errors I had with Christian Yelich mm-hmm. and Giancarlo Stanton helped to where I, I was able to help out George Springer. And yep. the areas of growth and the challenges I have with George Springer is going to help you know, Brian Reynolds out right now. It's going to help Jared Oliver out. You know, it's going to help the players that we have, Gregory, Gregory Polanco. Uh, it's going to help those guys out now. So I look at it as it's just it just keeps going forward with the experience and understanding that, you know, I had things I needed to learn, uh, you know, get better with the communication, uh, tailor drills
1: specifically for individuals. All those things is what helped me become the coach that I I am today and just a hunger to to help <laughs> yeah definitely Yeah, definitely, for sure that's uh that's definitely the big key nowadays too especially as we get keep getting younger and younger down the totem pole when it comes to the players getting to the major leagues i tell you what it's it's crazy to see 19 year olds getting up into the major leagues it's pretty incredible though to show that just shows how fast and quick these guys can get up into the ranks it's really remarkable and uh yeah definitely helping again it's a big big key in the in the major leagues and when it comes to you know practicing and stuff obviously you've been in the major leagues you've done stuff as a coach and such how how much do you guys practice during the regular season you know before games and such you know doing drills and such how much of that do you guys do you know maybe before games or maybe on an off day do you guys do that a lot or is it kind of limited just because there are so many games and you don't have that many off days and it's kind of go 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 throughout the day well I mean there's,
0: there's practice you know where you do things before Before you would start your your traditional batting practice and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, Um, you just try and and tailor it to uh, each individual. Um, And so I would, you know, bring one player out and then have another guy out just to Mm -hmm. get that one-on-one time to keep building the relationship and specifically work on things that may be challenges for them or to keep them sharp in certain areas. Yeah. Uh, as has, has been great. And then you will go into your, you know, your traditional uh, practice, you know, from there. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of practice that keeps going on because guys want to continue to, you know, get better and be the best that they can be. And it's just for us to be able to navigate it, us coaches to navigate the time and the, the energy that they will put into it so that
1: at 7 o'clock, uh, they can perform to the best of their abilities. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um And and getting into, you know, the next question here and talking about, you know, coaches and such, um, you know, there are guys who are coaching right now who are man, MLB managers, such as Joe Girardi and Dave Roberts, who you got to get to play with. What is it like to see guys you get to know and, you got to play with earlier on in your career and getting to see them now, getting to coach at the major league level and such. And what is that relationship like, you know, nowadays with them, you know, coaching and stuff wise. And what is it like getting the chance to talk to them as coaches? You know what, it, it, it was great, uh, you know, seeing Dave Roberts when we were both in San Diego mm-hmm. and then, you know, coaching in the Dodgers organization and going up and just seeing the growth from San Diego – to, to LA and where he's at now and, you know, having conversations,
0: you know, what my time there with him has been great. Uh Joe was very Joe Girardi uh was with the Phillies now was like tremendous early, you know, in spring training and mm-hmm. just sharing, you know, information with me, pushing me in, in drills. Uh you can see the coaching of even back then yeah. uh, you know, just pushing you to be the best that you could be. And it's gonna be great to uh Directly and indirectly compete against them. Yeah. Uh, you know, coming up, uh, but it's just good to see, and you know, you just want to, you know, be the rest, the best representative of the fraternity of coaches that you can, and just be you while you're doing it, and just hope that uh, people will see you for who you are and the work that you you
1: put in. Yeah. And you
0: know, be uh, appreciated
1: for that. Yeah, definitely for sure, and. Uh... Yeah, it's definitely cool. that You guys get to play each other this year. I know Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. They're uh, kind of, you know, I guess you would say they're a little bit of a rival, just because you know, Battle of Philadelphia, so, but, um, uh, or yeah. Battle of Pennsylvania, <laughs> I should say, not Philadelphia. Jeez, I'm sorry. <laughs> it tells me how my days. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, definitely, it's it's definitely neat to see. You know, the coaches kind of reconnecting and stuff. If you get to know, you know, get to know them and such, definitely pretty neat. Um, And in my next question here, you know, talking about, you got to be able to coach in the American League and you got to coach in the National League. Is there a different way you coach when you're in the American League, say when you were with Houston compared to now when you're coaching in the National League with San Diego or Pittsburgh where you have that pitcher position compared to when you have that DH position in the American League? Is there a different way you coach when it uh, comes to the way the lineup is and such? Well, I mean, definitely... uh... The lineups would be would be different,
0: you know, mm-hmm. based upon you know a pitcher spot coming up in, in uh, a crucial uh, a situation uh, where you have in the, in the National League, and then also you you know at some point in time your bench players will get in in National League games compared to the the American League games, mm-hmm. you know, would be uh, and so you would really focus more on bullpen arms, uh, focusing on double switches in a National League game. Now that there's you know. And when I was in Houston, you know, we went to Washington and, you know, we spent time with our pitchers beforehand, you know, throughout the year. In the first day, the first, you know, two games of the series, it was just tough. But yeah.
2: uh, later on, our players were able to, you know, make adjustments and, and come through in, in situations, meaning our pitchers, mm-hmm. uh, where National League pitchers are, are in those bunting situations, you know, quite often and running the bases. Uh, so there's a bit of a difference back then where now, you know, there's league play and
1: you can start your first game of the series in League play yeah. uh, and just be used to it. So I think the game is just becoming more universal where you see it way more than how it's been in the past. Yeah, definitely, and especially this year, you guys were supposed to start against the Rays, so you guys would have had interleague play right on opening day. So that you know, definitely, it, I remember it used to be where you know you have a series in May, and then you kind of start interleague play in like June, July, the summer months, and such. um And usually that's how it used to go, and now it's like it's whenever you, whenever they feel like it, you know, I guess. But um no, yeah, definitely, it's uh you know, it does take in a bit to get used to and such, and. uh but after a while, you kind of get used to it, and, and now there's so many players that are dual dual uh, positional players. They play pitcher and they can hit and they can hit bombs. So it, it you know it's kind of became almost a it, it's weird right now. It's weird the way the pitching, can so um, let, let's get into my next question here. You know. You got to, again, you got to coach some of the top players in the game. As you said, Giancarlo Stanton, you got to be around Matt Kemp, you got to be around a lot of those Dodger players uh, when you were in the Dodgers organization who have all done great things like Cody Bellinger, like Max Muncie, guys like that. And now even you get to work with Josh Bell, who's at the top of his level as well. You know, what is it like to get to work with those guys at the top of their level, at the top of their game and such and is it harder to you know work with maybe the younger players you know maybe at spring training or maybe if they just get called up and such due to their inexperience and they're still working on their game still working on their craft is it a bit harder just to work with them and such and try to you know get to get have them get used to you and such and the way you coach um no
0: it's not not hard uh each player uh relationship is is unique uh, some guys just need more reps, like more reps. Some guys like the conversation and figuring out, you know, on, on their own. Uh, some guys, just a little bit of, of both, um, you know, and I was very fortunate to live in a state as a young coach with uh, a lot of players that was in my organization. So I got to work with them in season and in the off season where some coaches might not get to coach at that level in the off season. Mm-hmm. I was able to do that for like six years uh, in a row where, you know, I had Stanton in, in, in or Yelich in the morning, Stanton in the afternoon and other minor league players in, in the evening. So I was coaching all day long, refining things yep. and, and learning and developing uh, my style so that when I went to a different organization and was able to work with a, a Springer uh Dexter Fowler, it was, you know, I found different ways to to be
2: able to, you know, navigate it and and work through things. Yeah.
0: And so that was probably the the, the coolest thing. And then moving to where I'm at now with, you know, Josh Bells and Brian, you know, uh, Reynolds, uh, it's just learning them and how they like Mm -hmm. to work and what works best for them and just collaborating. It becomes a a huge collaborative effort uh, in, in their careers where. Uh, I let them steer the boat. Uh, Sometimes I might need to jump in and and turn the wheel. (laughs) Uh, And then sometimes it's just for me to, you know, put the throttle on and be the engine of it. So uh, it's a great way to learn. Uh, You know, you have to just put your ego and your feelings on the side and not Mm -hmm. know. I don't know everything. And I don't know everything about these guys, but I'm learning it
1: as we go along. And, you know, we'll figure it out. Yeah, definitely, for sure, just getting get to work with those guys and getting used to the way they play and such and the way their regiments are, definitely just kind of getting used to them and having that trust in them as well, you know, having trust for each other and such, that's definitely also a big key probably as well as a coach and a player, a relationship.
0: Yes, it, it is, and uh, when you're a young coach, and I started in five, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you
1: didn't think about earning trust, but that's what you were doing. Yeah, and uh, you know, you just did things just because of the love of the game, the heart yep. that you have for it, the experiences that you had, and, and you just you know you're paying it forward. Yep, and you
2: know you're getting the education as well uh, from the other coaches. You know, if, you know I did it that way before. Uh, uh-huh. This is my my experience with it. Doesn't mean that you can't do it. Yeah. But this is what happened. That's what it becomes. A Co- coaching becomes
1: just a ton of uh, conversations in between work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely for sure. Yeah, it's uh, definitely you know getting to conversate with the guys, getting to, again getting to know them, getting to work with them, and such. Yeah, definitely for sure. Definitely, conversation is definitely a big key when it comes to coaching. Um, so, and let's get into my next question, uh, and then we'll, the last two questions we'll ask is about what's everything going on right now with, uh, you know, the coronavirus and, you know, cancel, uh, not canceling baseball, but, you know, postponing it and such. We'll, we'll talk about that um, here in just a minute. Um, you know, my next question is, obviously, your sons both are in sports, and they're both playing sports and such. What is it like to be able to have an influence on their, you know, careers and such and being able to help them, you know, and give them advice and help them, you know, in their sports that they're doing and be able to support them and such and being, you know, there at the games and such. What is that like to be able to, you know see your sons being able to be in sports and everything and being you being able to help them
0: man it's uh probably one of the greatest pleasures that you can have is watching your kids perform and do what they 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 love to do and and find their way in it and also respect the journey of it Mm um and their experience is going to be unique to them and not project any of your experiences good or bad on them during that, but just do everything you can to help them to become the best that they can, uh, learn and discover things about themselves, you know, on the journey. Yep. And, and when it comes to technical things, be able to help them out uh,
1: yep. with those things. Uh, it, it's, it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, definitely.
0: And just understanding and trusting that as young men, that they can make the best decisions that will be for them because they're going to have to do it when they, mm-hmm. you know, eventually, you know, move on uh, to certain phases of, of their lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's the, the coolest thing. Uh, my oldest son that runs track, there's not too much I could talk to him about that. I let my wife handle that because <laughs> she, she ran track. Uh, but, you know, I just talk about things that we both can relate to, whether it's, you know, watching film on your crab. studying studying the grace of the past, uh, just things like that. With my youngest son who who plays baseball, it's just, you know, getting out and just doing the father-son things with him, just playing catch with him, Uh, you know, watching him, uh, and, you know, sitting down in the stands and just being, you know, a dad. Just watching him him play and, you know, letting him, you know, ask questions, uh, you know, about the game and, and things like that and not try to smother him with, you know, how I did it. Yeah. Because uh, that was unique for me. And mm-hmm. whatever is unique for him is for him. And, and allowing that and, and embracing that is probably good the biggest
1: learning lesson for me throughout this whole entire time yeah definitely yeah that's and that's awesome too you know you get to see your son get to you know go out and play the sport that you got to play and such and that's definitely really cool and you have somebody you can you know be able to again give advice to and give tips and pointers about what it's like maybe you know maybe you know at the major league level and at the minor league level and how the talent is and such and kind of help them a bit you know i mean obviously you don't want to You know, you want to make him, as you said, you want to have him, you know, have his unique story and unique journey and such. And uh, yeah, it's definitely awesome. So and then let's get into my last two questions here um, on, on the show today. And it's going to be about the coronavirus and everything going on. Obviously, you guys got to you guys were one of the teams that were able to play when they announced that they were going to suspend the season. When did you find out during when you were playing that spring training spring training game? I cannot speak today. Um, When you found what was your reaction when you found out during that spring training game? You know, when what was it like when you found out that the season was going to get suspended and that they weren't going to have baseball for the next couple weeks and that spring training was going to get canceled? When when did you find out about all that? Did you find out during the game at all, or did you kind of have to wait after the game? What was that all like? What was that day like? Well, unfortunately, technology uh, scores everything where,
0: um, you know, you would hear, because the, the stands embrace, and breaks, I mean, it's just like right next to where I stand, and mm-hmm. you would hear to say, well, this is, the, this is the last game, and, you know, the spring training is going to be suspended, canceled, or postponed one of the two yeah. of the three. And so every time you went out there, uh,
1: you know, I was standing next to Phil Cuzzy who was the first base umpire, and we just mm-hmm. would talk. And you would be like, when do you think it'll come back? And Phil said from the very beginning, like two years, you know, June first or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's June seventh now, and I'm glad <laughs> it's home. Uh but it was just, it was just unique. Yeah. Uh, you know, during that
0: time, you're shaking hands and you know, autographs and interacting with people, and you know, for some reason, uh, you know, I personally didn't see it as big as it, it was. I'm glad yeah. that I did wake up and see it and you know, we had uh, our team doctors come in and, and speak with us and stuff and did everything they could to inform us. And it was great. And, you know, leaving, I was just hoping it would be for a couple weeks, you know, two yeah. weeks, three weeks max, and we'll be back to it. And, uh, as it started to unfold, as we all, you know, gained knowledge of it, it was, it definitely was more serious yep. than, uh, I, I could have thought and, you know, glad that, you know, Major League Baseball and, and, you know, just other sports, uh, you know, did everything they could to, you know, protect their athletes. And it was just tough because, um, you know, my league season is, you know, in jeopardy. Yeah. You know, high school, my son's high school team, you know, only got to play four games. My oldest son was uh, getting ready to compete for a national championship and track and field. And, and, you know, everyone just had to, you know, put a pause to it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, to be
1: safe in the end, you know it's it, it's all worth it, and you know we'll deal with the inconvenience of it all moving forward. But yep. you know, the safety was first and foremost the biggest thing. Oh yeah, definitely, and it's even not even for just the players too, but even for the fans. You know, you don't want to have a fan get the coronavirus and then you know they sue the team or something. So you know, and it they get it from maybe from a player or something. So yeah, definitely, the safety is always first and such, and. You know, making sure everybody is safe—you, uh, the players, coaches, uh, staff members, again, the fans as well. Um, it, yeah, definitely important. I think Major League Baseball did a good job by saying, "Hey, we're going to take a, a couple weeks off and such." Obviously, it's turned out longer than that. Obviously, we realized it was more serious and such, as you said. And uh, you know, we're here now, and I'm interviewing you. So, <laughs> um, but uh, my la- my last question is here today is, you know, obviously. Obviously, we're expecting possibly a shorter season, possibly uh, uh, not as long of a year, possibly. How will the way this season shape affect your coaching and the way you coach for the season? Obviously, it's, you know, you guys are only going to have a less amount of games to try and make the playoffs this year. Is there going to be a different way you're going to coach? Or are you going to still coach the way you are and, you know, take every game as if it was, a, you know, a regular game and such? If it was 162-game season, in a sense. Um, that's a good question. I really
2: don't coach in in that that pressure situation where, you know, you
0: might not experience it most of the season until September. You know, when you're playing divisional games, well, it'll start off like that. So I think it'll raise the level of coaching definitely for me and, you know, for my guys and and our players as well, my guys, meaning the coaching staff, my coaching staff. Uh, And it just will be a really fun situation to to be in and, you know, will help us all moving forward. I know it will help me out tremendously as well. And, um. you know, the season will have its own intensity of of its own, however that looks like. I, yeah.
1: I you know, I'll wait and see what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, it's going to be an interesting, interesting season. Hopefully, we do have baseball in some capacity, some form. Um, because I, I definitely want to get to see you guys back out on the field, get to see some games, get to see some live games. I've, I've I've watched a few of those KBO games, which again, they're not bad. Nothing wrong about the Korean baseball organization. Great guys on the the rosters. It's just. I don't know a lot of the guys, so I kind of feel I'm out of it, I guess, a bit. But uh, I want to see live baseball, like Major League Baseball back at least. And uh, I hope we have a season this year. But, uh, Tarek, welcome, thanks so much for jumping on the show. It was a real pleasure having you on. Good luck, hopefully, for the 2020 season, If you guys, whenever that may, case may be. Um, and hopefully you guys have a pretty good year this year to you and the Pirates. And hopefully you guys raise raised Jolly Roger a few times this season. Man, thank you so much thank you for having me just, uh,
0: you know, looking forward to seeing, uh, the season and seeing it unfold. And, you know, hopefully we can get out there and just, you know, entertain, uh, you know, the world.
1: And, and do it safely. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And, and if hey, if you guys are one of the few uh, first sports, a lot of eyes are going to be on you guys, you know, for being one of the first sports, you know, being back and playing live games. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we get to see a lot of games from you guys this year uh, as much as we possibly can. Obviously, again, safety is the key. And uh, hopefully uh, once they allow fans back in and such, hopefully I'll be able to get to see you at a game. And we'll, I'll, I'll say hi real quick before a game. And that would be great. Thank you. Much. Oh, it was a real pleasure, man. And, uh, you're welcome on anytime. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. All right, you guys, again, to Ter- Tarek Brock, I don't want to say his name wrong. Um, again, thank you guys. Uh, thank you so much, man. That was incredible. He was super, super nice. Um, amazing guy. And again, thank you so much for jumping on. That was really cool to talk about it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we have a season, man. It's, uh, it's a bit nuts. Um, a bit crazy hopefully we have a season, hopefully he's able to get to coach this year, obviously just recently signed on with the Pirates, so, you know, hopefully he gets to be a part of that team in regular season play, not just spring training play, but uh, I'm excited, man, it should be a fun year, um, hopefully we do have a season, It again, it's, it's a tough situation we're living in right now, and uh, hopefully, again, we have some sort of baseball during the season, again, I it stinks It. You know, part of it's money that's going on. Obviously, I understand some of the players, you know, and what they are saying. But, you know, I just I just want to get back to playing, man. I mean, it, we just need a season, especially for baseball, too. Um, they definitely need definitely need it. But again, T- Tarek, thanks so much for coming on again. You can go see him as the Pittsburgh Pirates first base coach. So, again, go check him out. He's an awesome guy. Go go give him some some love on his Instagram I think it's Tarek Brock Sr. That's a no no spaces whatsoever. That's the entire um, Instagram for him. Go give him some love. Go give him a follow. So, again, thank you guys so much. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Pick Drafts, Officials Depot, and Germ Buffer, and also Seatbum for all sponsoring our show as well. And thanks for Grayson Rogers and Sam Tenez for allowing us to black your music. Jeez, I cannot speak today. Oh, gosh um thanks for letting us use your music for all of our episodes it's always nice to have some intro music to begin the show so uh that's pretty much it guys i got nothing uh just keeping it busy with all the interviews um so yeah that's pretty much it that's all i got i'll uh, see you guys later peace out see you guys